I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck has foils and attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming! And hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott! Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there, it's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all the podcast, and welcome to a brand new Nerd Alert. This week, we are going to get nerdy. Just so nerdy. Just unbelievably nerdy. Like, we are going to earn this this network's name today. Uh, but before I get into all that, let me introduce the people who are going to help me go down that rabbit hole. We are going all the way down that rabbit hole today. You can take that however you want to mean it. First up, ladies and gentlemen. My right-hand man, the man who keeps the nerd in the Talk Nerdy to Me Network. He's here to learn you something, whether you want to or not. Welcome to the bridge, Commander Scott. So speaking of learning you something, whether you want to or not, uh, this week uh, I, I'm, I'm wanting to tackle something that I've been wanting to bring up for a while and just hadn't, because it's fascinated me for, for quite a while now. And I'm so very glad that we have you know the full 90 minutes to devote to this, this nerd. It's the doc's <laughs> breath, isn't it? Um, no, 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 oh. no. That that that's something that the EPA needs to regulate. Oh, this isn't the intervention show. Okay. No, 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 no. Sorry, I got my weeks mixed up. No. Wait, what, uh, what's wrong with my breast? Just know we're all here because we love you, Jay. <laughs> and no, we're not. I'm here because I'm forced. <laughs> anyway, yes, uh, carry on, please. So it, it's something that's been been on my mind for a while, and 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 I don't fully fully understand it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do a tag team. On this one, I'm gonna have to bring in a ringer uh, a little bit. But before we get to that, the the actual nerd fact that I'm talking about is the Monty Hall problem. And I, I don't know how many people listening have heard of the Monty Hall problem. It's somewhat popular on the internet. There's been explanation after explanation after explanation, but it still boggles people's minds, as it does mine. But I love it. Uh, Monty Hall was a television game show host. Uh, who hosted a the, the the television game show Let's Make a Deal for about 30 years. Uh, currently, the current version of the show is hosted by Wayne Brady. Um, in the show, okay, Monty Hall would uh, present the contestant with three doors. Door number one, door number two, and door number three. John, you are the contestant. You've got three doors, okay? Oh, shit. Okay. All right. You got three doors. Yeah, you're gonna have to get off your phone and actually pay attention to this nerd fact because I'm gonna. I turned my <laughs> camera off. How did you? Oh shit. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> behind one of these doors is a cash prize. Let's say fifty thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. Behind two of these doors is a goat. 
Okay. I want you to pick a door. Pick pick one of the doors. Just just pick one. Does how many doors? Three. One, two, and three. Okay. Pick one. Tell me which one. F. That that's not one of the doors. One, two, or three. Door number two. Door number two. Go down the middle. Door number two. Okay. So what are your odds with with three chances, like at three options to pick the door? Sorry. What's the sorry? Sorry. What are the chances? Thank you. That you have picked the correct door. One out of three? One out of three. Thirty-three point three repeating percent chance. Sure. That sounds mathy. Okay. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna open door number one. You pick door number two, I'm gonna open door number one, and I'm gonna reveal that behind door number one is a goat. Okay. okay. Now you've picked door number two. Now, before you settle on door number two, I'm going to give you the option to switch. Do okay. you switch or do you stay with door number two? We'll stick with door number two. Why are we sticking with door number two? Because it feels right. Because it feels right. And most people stay. And the reason it does is because you've got two options now, right? Yeah. So it's a, what, a 50-50 chance? If you give me three options and then you take it down to two options, I would say yes, that's 50-50. A 50-50 chance. That's what everybody says, that's what everybody thinks, and that's what everybody is wrong. Correct. It is not a 50-50 chance. At this point, if you switch, it is in fact a 2 in 3 chance. It is a 66.6 repeating percent chance you're going to pick the correct door. If you switch. So it is always in your best interest to switch. You're not always going to win. But your highest odds are in winning. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> highest chance. Thank you. Is, is, uh, of winning is in switching. Now I'm going to I'm going to bring Jay in on this cuz he's he he knows, you know, chances and 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 probabilities and and all that good stuff better than I do to help explain this. But one of the key factors in this that a lot of people miss and they forget about is the rules of the game and the knowledge of the host. So if you pick door number two and I'm going to reveal a door, right? So let's say you did not pick. So the odds, sorry, the chances are against you of picking the correct door out of one of three. It's only a one in three. So your okay. chances are not good to pick it right off the bat. Um, so when I reveal a door, I am always going to reveal a door with a goat. I am never going to reveal the money. And I have yep. to reveal a door. Yep. Okay. So okay. Jay, I'm going to hand off to you to 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 give us a, a, like the, like the breakdown of why Mathematically, it's not 50-50. So, well, first of all, it's not 50-50 because initially your probability is one in three. Yes. And just because you eliminate one of, the one of the possibilities does not change the probability. So the probability that you still guessed correctly off the bat was one in three. Yes. By eliminating one of the options, you did not change it to all of a sudden now it's one out of two. However, you do 
have a one out of two chance of winning if once revealed you see that one of the doors is a goat so it's kind of wonky in that sense um what (laughs) it's not until it is and then it is but it's not because it isn't yeah so the the reason people say that they change the reason people say that it changes is because you've eliminated one of the options so now they think there's only two options and so they think that their probability has actually increased, but it hasn't. The probability. So I can still actually... pick the door that they just revealed as being a goat. No, 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 no you, can't, you can't. You're pick still, still going to pick. So you pick two. I have one, two, yeah. and three. Yes, you. I picked. Yes. I picked two. Then you opened up yes. one and showed me it's a goat. Okay. So now, so yes. now my options are two or three. three. Yes. Yes. Those are your options. Two or three. Okay. So how is that not fifty-fifty? Still... It's not fifty-fifty. You still had a one in okay. three chance of guessing your door correctly. But then you just took one option away. Yes. So, yes, yes at the start, when I first, John, pick one yes. of these three doors, yes. that's a one in three chance. Yes. Then you yes. take away a door. Now, there are two doors yes. to choose from. How yes. is that you one of three? Well, because it's still one out of three. There are still three doors. You haven't eliminated three. one of the doors. Yeah. It, it you doesn't still matter. have three choices. Yeah. You, you, could, you could have, you know, 100. You could have 50 more doors added. It's, so it's still yeah. So 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 one one of three still leaves two of three. The other yes. two doors are still sixty six percent chance from the original one out of three. So like, stop stop time out time out. Yeah. yeah. So you open the door and say, yeah. John, it's a goat. Do you want to change? And I say, no, I'll stick with two. Do you yes. then close the door and shuffle what's behind the doors again? Nope. No, you just you just open the door you chose. Yes. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> so okay. What the hell does this have to do with the dead parrot? Nothing. What? The dead parrot. It's, what? it's, it's called what? Monty Hall, probably not the Monty Python. Problem. Oh. Yeah. I thought we were going to talk about whether or not the parrot was dead. See, so, I was prepped for the wrong show. So, hang on. So look at it this way. Right, you have three doors. If I tell you to pick one, it's a one in three uh, chance, right? We, we, yes, we, we agree on that. Yes, so now I eliminate one of the doors, I ask you if you want to switch, and you switch, right? Yeah, okay. how many doors out of three have you now picked? Two, which yeah. is. 66% chance that you got it right. Yeah. But if you Basically. say, then you've only picked one out of three. Okay. <laughs> I love the Monty Hall. Problem. I really like this uh, on, on, sorry, Scott. That's on, right. um, on Wikipedia, they have a, like a, a chart with a breakdown. Yes. Where it's like, and I like that visual because it really yes. helps. Yes. Where it's like, if you pick door one, you pick door number one, okay? That's the one you're going with. And if the door, if the car is behind door three, he has to open door two. If you pick door number one and the car is behind door two, he has to open door three. And if the car is behind door number one, right, then he can open door two or three. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. And so. It's you got to look at it that way. So, like in those options, 
where you door one is a goat two out of the three times if yep. you switch yep. you actually end up winning the car yeah if if you chart out the the possible combinations of door to goat like which which door the car or the money whichever it is is behind if you chart it yeah. out right and you actually you know then in your first option is switch and win. Second option is switch and win. Third option is stay and win. So you're switching and winning two out of three times or 66.6 repeating percent chance. Yeah. Uh, It's counterintuitive. That's why I love it. It is. And one of my favorite things is that when this was initially published, there were thousands of PhDs and scholars and mathematicians that were like, no, no, this is wrong. You're yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. No. And then they like the, the person that published it showed this simple solution and everybody's like, no, you can't do that. That's not right. Yeah. The math community, it was first published in an article in what, 1975? A long time ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Sullivan wrote a letter to American Statistician in 1975 describing the problem, and he's the one that dubbed it the Monty Hall problem. Uh, and literally, the mathematical community lost their shit based off of this article. Uh, and this, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. I was going to say, we're still talking about it today. Um, this is taught in probability and statistics classes in college. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> That's how big this is. They teach it at universities. <laughs> well, kids, I told you we were going to earn the name Todd Nerdy today. <laughs> I should have been more specific. That's on me. I should have said geeky, not nerdy. It's my bad. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, so now to follow that up, we're going to go into a full uh, base foundation of statistics and probability. Jay, would you like to start us off with uh, uh, Stats and Probs 101? So the first thing is probability is not odds, kids. Not odds. That's why Jay kept clearing his throat. because I Jay. Was, and I knew what he was talking about. It took me a second. Yeah, yeah, John. Never tell me the odds. <laughs> so what is the difference which is my desperate segue to get away from this topic <laughs> it's actually a real quick explanation scott <laughs> probability okay, just, is, just a real quick 30 minute explanation here we go probability is um the likelihood of an event happening out of a total number of events uh-huh. so like you know what is the probability that you you'll um easy one to explain is is a die one single six-sided die the probability the probability that you'll roll a three is one out of six yes okay so that's one good outcome to six total outcomes now the odds are good to bad so odds are good outcomes to bad outcomes so the probability you will roll a three is one to six but the odds are one to five Mm. okay now the the odds that you will not roll a three are five to one so that's so your quick breakdown of probability and odds. All joking aside, you and I are going to have to have a discussion on this later. <laughs> the bigger the odds, the bigger the payout of your horse. Uh, that's a different kind of odds, but yeah, sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only kind that matters. 
Anyway, sorry. Anyway, we stepped, sorry. We stepped sorry. In sorry. It's okay. The uh, the math nerd here to help Scott reached nerdy levels of over 9,000. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, but probably a math seminar where this guy presented the problem because that's what he would go back to. It's the doc. Well, you know, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Nice. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Just gonna... That quote took me less than 12 parsecs to find. (laughs) Well, there you go. That was a perfect segue. Let's get nerdy about that. Why does that sentence make Scott shudder? <laughs> Scott, okay, okay. do you do you want me to do you want me to to, to start uh, in on this? Sure. Okay. So, so well, hold on. Two seconds. Two seconds. So, what we're doing today is, uh, like I said, we're gonna get real. Sorry, we're gonna get real geeky today. I'm sorry. I need to choose my words carefully. I said nerdy and we went to math. That's on me. Sorry. Sorry. <clears throat> We're going to get real geeky today and ask questions only real geeks would stop and think about and think about to the extent that it drives them nuts and they have to go look up answers and discuss it with other people. That's what we're going to do. Specifically, we're going to get geeky as fuck about Star Wars. We're going to ask the stupid, mundane pedantic questions that only geeks who have watched the movies umpteen million times would even remotely think about so if you think of that scene in clerks where dante and randall are discussing uh independent contractors to build the death star that's the level of geeky we're getting today so we're going to start that with scott explaining to us why the falcon making uh the uh, castle run in less than 12 parsecs just is like nails on a chalkboard day well it is and it isn't um so first tell first, us why it is first first and foremost a parsec is not a unit of time it is a unit of, of of length or distance and it is used to measure very large distances okay so a parsec is roughly equal not roughly it's it, yeah roughly equal to 206,265 AUs for those of you who don't know what an AU is, AU stands for astronomical unit, and it is the distance from Earth to the sun. That is one AU. Or, in this instance, 3.26 light years, 30.9 trillion kilometers, 19.2 trillion miles. That is a parsec. Okay? The parsec unit is obtained by the use of parallax and trigonometry and is defined as the dif- distance at which one AU subtends an angle of one arc second of a degree. Which is one three hundred one thirty six hundredth of a degree. So, all the geeky nerdy stuff being out of the way, it's not a distance, it's not a unit of time. Now that being said, the original explanation of this in the original Star Wars expanded universe, prior to Disney buying it out and and decanonizing all of the extended universe that had came before it, not throwing it away, as at the time that they did so, the fans got all butthurt because they're like, "Oh, you can't just throw all that out." Blah blah blah. They're not. They're just decanonizing it, decanonizing it, so that they can they can cherry pick from it and bring the good stuff back in. And distill out the bad stuff. Later, did we find out they're going to bring in their own bad stuff? But that's neither here nor there. 
Um, put the car before the horse. Exactly. That that's a you know that that's sort of a philosophy joke, but that's okay. Um, the best explanation that we had of, of how that sentence made sense uh, came. I forget which book it came in, but in, in Rebel Dawn. Rebel Dawn. Was it Rebel Dawn? Okay. Rebel Dawn. I just read Scott, it. Scott, oh. I believe it was Rebel Dawn. It uh, might have been Rebel sure. Dawn. I don't know. Uh, whereas you had the Kessel Run. So Kessel it was always described as this potato shaped planet where spice was mined. Okay. And um, uh, there was a cluster in the old EU, there was a cluster of black holes nearby. And near is a relative term when we're dealing with 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 uh, 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 astronomical, you know, uh, uh, distances. Um, that was known as the Maw, and the Maw, the, the the intense gravitational attraction, was basically slowly pulling particulate matter from Kessel into it. It was slowly eating Kessel, and the Kessel run was the smuggler would come out of hyperspace as close as he dared to the maw to confound Imperial sensors and to avoid detection. He would then basically skirt as close as he could to the event horizon of the maw and uh, slip into the, uh, the debris stream coming off of Kessel and pilot through the debris stream to to land at a pre you know uh, uh, prearranged landing a rendezvous point on the planet and then he would exit out again. So when 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 Han Solo made the comment that um, he made the Kessel run in less than twelve parsecs, uh, he was talking about how close he came, how close he managed to come out of hyperspace safely and not fall into the maw. Um, yeah. In the new movie, in Solo, they changed that so that when you came out of hyperspace, basically you still had the Maw, and you still had Kessel, and you still had the you had basically it's it's almost like a the the, the, the debris stream was more like an atmospheric disturbance, like a nebula and a storm and everything, which was cool visually. It was awesome, uh, but there was only one safe path in and one safe path out, and and that path was 12 parsecs long. And so Han basically having to take a shortcut because of the volatile cargo they had on board, decided to go through the mall, go through the storm to get out, thus doing it in less than 12 parsecs, which I'm fine with. It was, it was a good, you know, re-explanation of it. Uh, I, I was, I know there was a lot of people who were up in arms, but you know what? Um, they can just they can just go take a flying leap because it was good. Uh, yes, yeah, Scott, I was gonna I was gonna say something because I had ju- I've just finished the Han Solo trilogy, yeah, and it's been like twenty years since I've read it. So go yeah. ahead, and it, it's super fresh because I just read that like it's one of the last chapters in Rebel Dawn. Yeah. Um. So basically, Han is outrunning Imperial, um, patrol vessels. Yeah, and he's trying to gain distance on them, so he's skirting close to these, like, like you said, it's a yeah. the maw is a cluster of like supernovas, black holes, all sorts of bad things, and he is skirting as close as he can, and yeah. so he he set a time record, but he also shortened the distance, 
Yes. And uh, Chewie, you know, made a comment that he must have shorted out the system. And Han's like, nah, man, I did it in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Che- there was con- there was conjecture there that you know uh, uh, Han was always like I did this and Chewie's like well you know the the system really wasn't online we can't really tell how he's like you did less than twelve I set the record it was like, alone. it was less than twelve and uh, yeah because it was you had to navigate the maw and then come to the pit which was like a giant asteroid field yeah like, yeah like you said so yeah now uh, but yeah you uh, you haven't read it yet but what if I was to tell you that there is a safe path into and out of the maw, the cluster of black holes. And what if I were to tell you that inside the center of that cluster of black holes is a secret Imperial research facility known as the maw complex. I've heard this somewhere before. I probably you, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's where, right. Yeah, in the old EU, that's where a lot of the uh, the systems for the Death Star Super Laser was were designed. In fact, I think there is a skeletal Death Star in there in the old EU. Um, not a full battle station, just the bare bones necessary superstructure to hold the super weapon for testing. And and the heart of the Maw is also where they cloned Emperor Palpatine for the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> That I don't know. Um, in the old yeah, that trying, was on Exegol. Yeah, I was just trying to poke I mean, bears. I was just trying to poke bears. Still somewhere else. Yeah. Well, the, the, our issue wasn't necessarily the cloning of Palpatine because that's in the EU stuff. It's it's the way they just cram it into Rise of Skywalker. But we're not doing that today. <laughs> so what sparked all this was was a question I pitched to Scott because it's something that. So I started rereading um, Heir to the Empire. Yes. Um, finished book one, loved it. Um, waiting for my Audible credit to roll around so I can get book two. Um, but it, it brought up a question because Heir to the Empire was written in 91 uh, and it kicked off what is now known as Star Wars Legends, which the, we refer to as the old EU, which is all the novels and comics and stuff that came after Return of the Jedi that when Disney took over was deemed as no longer canon, meaning no longer officially events that happened in Star Wars. Um, you can still go out and read them. They're still good stories, but they're not officially what happened as far as their timeline is concerned. Uh, even though, like Scott said, uh, they've been kind of cherry-picking things from the, uh, the the EU as they go forward, especially in the last couple of seasons of Mandalorian. But anyway, so prior to Episode One, uh, Phantom Menace, Anytime in video games or or whatever that yeah go ahead I'll get this thing go ahead okay anytime at least at least my recollection anytime you saw somebody who was evil and wielding the force they were not called Sith or Inquisitors or whatever they were referred to as Dark Jedi. And I just assumed they meant, oh, okay, so like they were Jedi and they went bad. They're dark Jedi. Okay, cool, got it, cool. And then, so like in, in Heir to the Empire, uh, you meet characters who, uh, a character who is referred to as a dark Jedi. Um, again, because I, he started as a Jedi and then turned. So but, but, but what got my brain going is after uh, 99, uh, after Phantom Menace, 
every time it's a bad guy Sith, it's or a bad guy Force wielder with a you know red lightsaber, it's Sith. It's Sith. It's Jedi versus Sith. It's Sith. It's Sith. And I was like, so when did we start referring to them as Sith and not Dark Jedi? And yeah. what's the story with that? And I kind of got an answer, but not really. Well, I mean, you and I in, in the discussion that we had, uh, we, you know, we we were chatting about the old expanded universe. Um, and the only reference in the old expanded universe that I even remember to Sith was was Darth Vader's title as Dark Lord of the Sith. But he was the only one ever referred to that way. We didn't know, like, there were there was nothing really telling us what the Sith were. Um, like you said, most most bad guys in the old expanded universe that had a red lightsaber, they were referred to as as Dark Jedi. Um, but there was also another term that was bandied about um, during the, the the time of the the old EU, uh, and that was fallen Jedi. Uh, there were there were several several uh, sources for that one, and and I always took this is just me personally. I always took a fallen Jedi was a person who was a Jedi Knight, a member of the Jedi Order, who had fallen to the dark side or who had failed. To live up to their oath or something like that and a dark jedi was somebody who didn't necessarily had to be a jedi starting out they just they just were just a dark side practitioner all the way through okay so like vader would be a dark fallen jedi and palpatine would be a dark jedi yes because he never was a member of the jedi right. order, at least okay none that we ever saw in the old year uh yeah, the closest to an answer I could dig up. Uh, and Scott's right. The, I think the first time the word Sith is seen in print is in um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, I think, which was 78. Um, but again, it, it was just it was a title that Darth Vader had. The word itself had no meaning. So, the, again, the, the closest, best, most like confirmed answer you get is, okay, well, at some point uh, when they started making EU stuff, they didn't really have they didn't have a set term of what to call bad guys who have the force. So we used Dark Jedi or Fallen Jedi because that seemed to work. And then Lucas came around and started writing the prequels and and as Lucas does, uh, fleshed out. And I'm not saying he invented it on the spot. Maybe it was all there in the back of his head, and that's why he had the foresight to call Vader a Dark Lord of the Sith. But he he let the rest of us know what was inside of his head of this whole order of dark side force users known as the Sith and going forward from that point on because around that time um, when when uh, the prequels were coming out and Star Wars was gearing up and, and you know, ramping up in popularity again um, is when they took a bit more control over uh, the expanded universe stuff and there became a little bit more of a, a bible of, of the, you know, rules to follow yeah. Yeah, they started taking. Not that prior to that it was the Wild West, but no. comparatively it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and and also I. So at the time that they opened up, you know, novels and such, um, uh, and I had to look this up because you made the comment that the, the 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 novel that kicked off the the old expanded universe or the legend stuff was heir to the Empire, and to be honest, I always thought it was truce at, at Baccarat or Bakura. But but no, air, air came out in ninety one and, and truce came out in ninety three. But but truce takes place immediately after the Battle of Endor. 
So okay. I guess so chronologically guess, it's first. Chron- chronologically, but in my head, I think I my 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 memories. I I thought it had come out first, but but no, it was air. Um, and you can thank Timothy Zahn for the names Coruscant and Palpatine. Because as far as I know, that's the first time they appear in print as well. And Lucas used them carrying forward into the into the into the the, the prequels. But prior but, to that, it was just called Imperial City, right? Yes, uh, Imperial Center. Is, I think yeah, it's yeah. All that a couple of times uh, and stuff. And the Emperor was always just the Emperor. Um, uh, but prior to Lucas doing the prequels, doing episodes one, two, and three, anything prior. To episode four for novels was off limits they were not the, the 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 people doing the books were not allowed to do anything prior to which is why the lion's share of all the novels in that time period take place post endor um the only real i mean we get some that are intermingled between the uh uh in, in the movies but the, the only real popular one, of course, came out to be Shadows of the Empire, uh, which take place between episodes three and four. Um, I had always heard, and I don't know the level of detail, but I had always heard that there there was, even then, there were, were a certain set of rules on what could and could not be done, and that Lucas had to approve stuff. Now, I know Lucas wasn't reading the manuscript for every novel to approve it because that would just be insane. But I could see him releasing guidelines. Like, I know they couldn't, none of the main characters could be killed off. Yeah, do's and don'ts. Yeah. Yeah, do's and don'ts. But it was a very, it was a very bare bones Bible that everybody kind of had to abide by. And for the most part, if you look at those novels all the way up until the, the, the prequels hit and we get the Yuzon Vong stuff. They did a very good job of keeping a really good continuity in those novels. So, yeah. <laughs> um, nope. Sorry, different note. Uh, uh, I don't know. There's, yeah. So yeah. So the yeah. So the the, the answer is uh, what what what's what's difference between a dark Jedi and a Sith and a and I, and I think Scott to the nail the head is we've kind of had to sort of retroactively come up with definitions for some of those because back in the day they were kind of used inter- interchangeably and then all of a sudden you know uh, Phantom Menace comes out and this new term is dropped in our laps so okay so we got to make that work and and there may have been some foresight into that because nothing really contradicts anything else um, you know, a dark Jedi could be used interchangeably with Sith um you, you could argue pedantically well if you're not uh part of the sith order but you're still drawing on the dark side you'd be a dark jedi but to be a sith you'd have to be because again now you get into like so what's the difference between a sith lord and an inquisitor because at first i thought it was okay well inquisitors don't use the force they're just really highly trained to go assassinate jedi but then no they do use the force and there are fallen jedi that are inquisitors and it's like uh, okay i'm confused again now but but they're not sith yes exactly so where do you draw the line jay where do you draw the line we're looking at you uh from point a to b well that's just wrong I'm sure the odds of that are not in favor. No, never tell him the odds. He only wants the probability. Yes. 
um, the probability. So, so yeah, but but the but also the topic, the whole topic of the show isn't just about where you know, the whole Sith argument is. Yeah, no, no. we're covering a broader scope. But yeah, that was just the thing that that was grinding my gears. Uh, so, uh, who else has random? Not questions so much, but things that you can't just look away from. I've got a so, list if we need some prompts, but I I also came up with a list. My my list was not long though; it was just short, and basically it was things that just like I don't want to say irk me, but make me think. Like okay. question because I have no real answers for it. Perfect, and it's not it's not as like it's not as on the nose as like Dark Jedi versus Sith. Okay. But after watching all these movies so many times, I have this question. When did a lot of these characters learn to speak all these languages? Because like Han, and this is just a like a like a primary, like not even a primary list, just off the top of my head list. Han speaks basic, as do most sentients in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he knows, he understands, but does not speak Huttese. He understands, but cannot speak Rodian. He understands, well, but can't speak, is it Shrewook? Well, yes. well hang, hang on. We don't know he can't speak Rodian. We just know he doesn't. Right, okay, okay. But I mean, like, what I'm saying is like, yeah. so I'm just, okay, so these are just languages he knows. Let's just put it that way. So basic... He has a Rodian. functional understanding of you. Yes. Rodian, Hatties, um, Shrewook, uh, Sullis, Sullustan, Sullustan, Sullus, Sullustanian, Sullus. You know what I mean. When does he talk to Neam Num? Uh, well, okay. I guess I'm, I'm also thinking about in the novels, he talks to uh, Jalen Neville, Jalus oh. Neville. Who is Sullustan? So I would assume that if, but I would assume if Lando can speak it, then Han could as well. That I mean, that might be incorrect, but that's just like five languages right there that he understands. But then yeah. you get like, you have other characters that understand. Like Leia learns to understand Chewie. I think by like The Force Awakens, right? Well, she learned, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's less like. It's just something I was thinking about. Is like, when did they learn? When they have the time to learn all these languages? Because there's, you know, context. There's, um, I'm not an English teacher. I'm a math teacher. But there's like putting the correct things in order. Uh, Conjunction, junction, and what's its function? And yeah. you know, like, and then it's like maybe understanding that different words have different meanings depending on the context. And it's just like. Well, for for Han and for Han and Leia, you could surmise Han being a smuggler encounters people who speak lots of different languages, and so you're right. He he may I feel like Han has a base understanding of a lot of languages. He may not speak them fluently, but he has enough to understand what's going on because he's a smuggler and that's his livelihood until yeah. a certain point. Anyway, yeah. And Leia is literally raised to be a politician. So I am sure she her her childhood was filled yeah. with all kinds of, all kinds uh, of language lessons. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Luke, um, I'm trying to think in the movies and such. I'm because uh, it's been a lot of the EU stuff. You know, 
Uh, well, first of all, a lot of the old EU stuff kind of blurs together for me a little bit. But That's I know fair. that after after he after Endor and he kind of starts becoming uh, a a fully functional you know Jedi Knight, uh, he actually uses the Force to do a lot of translation for him. Um, but uh, in the movies mm. and stuff, he doesn't actually like directly understand like a lot of you know like his interactions with Chewie. Uh, is 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 just he doesn't like respond to a direct question. It's more of a response to Chewie's body language and attitude, right? Yeah, his demeanor. Well, I'm also thinking in Return of the Jedi when Luke um goes to Jabba's palace, hmm. doesn't he speak to um oh the Twi'lek? I can't think of his name. I don't think he speaks at no. all until he's in front of Jabba. He, he just uses the he just does the the mind trick. Yeah. Well, yeah, he speaks in front of Jabba. But if you'll notice the context, like what he's saying is not a direct response to what Jabba is saying. Like his what he says in that scene could be applied no matter what Jabba's line is. It's just it's just a generic like like he could not understand anything that Jabba because he's not answering a direct question. He just he's just saying you should have bargained Jabba. Yeah, three POs there to interpret for him. You know, and and yeah, Yeah, doesn't he? Does he not talk to the Twi'lek? I know he uses the Jedi mind trick, but the Twi'lek, the dancer? No, no, he's talking about oh. Bib Fortuna. Bib oh. Fortuna, there you go. Nah, yeah. he doesn't. No, you, he doesn't speak to Bib Fortuna. He, he just says he walks take, in, and yeah, he just says you will take me to Jabba now. I want to go to Jabba now. Okay, yeah, yeah, he does do the mind trick. You're right. I thought he just waved his hand. Trick. Okay, yeah, but but that's not a direct. Bib could be saying anything. You know, if yeah. Bib walked up and said, you can't wear shoes in here, he said, you will take me to Jabba now. It still works. Yeah. You know, yeah. if 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 Bib says, here's my, you know, uh, uh, oh, I'm glad you're here. I've been wanting to give you my mom's recipe for brownies. You will take me to Jabba <laughs> now. It still works. <laughs> Contextually, it, there's nothing in that scene that, that, that definitively proves he actually understands what Bib Fortuna is saying. Yeah. But, but I do know from, you know, later on, he does use the force to translate. Like, there, there is an understanding through the force. I, I mean, yeah, I just, it's just what I was thinking about. Like, it's just one of those things when I watch these movies where, like, somebody is having an interaction with another character, understands completely what they're saying. Well, and that's part of the genius of, of Star Wars in, in, in the writing. Even in the first yes. movie, like... Yes. Chewie growls and then Han responds to that, but he does it in a way that we, through what Han says to him, understand what Chewie just said. Yes. Yeah. I, I was about to make the same point. Okay. The, write, the writing of that and the fact that, as far as I know, like Star Wars is really the only one that's really done it in, in the way the conversation is structured that we don't need subtitles. Yep. For the alien languages. For most of it. For most of it, and, and even even with the droids, it's the same with the droids. You know, yeah. When Luke and R two were talking in his X wing, yeah. But also, if you look when 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 Luke and R two are talking in his X wing, when R two beeps, the translation's coming up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Luke is reading it, but he's responding. But again, even even because it, it's in in at least in the it's the text is in Arabic, so we can't even see that. All yes. we see is beep 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 boop and then he responds back to what he said again in a way that we understand through what luke responded to what exactly. Archie just said yeah. yes 
but there's some great outtakes where on the on the set you know peter mayhew is is reading lines yes they get dubbed over with the the growling and, but there's some great outtakes where you hear the two of them uh uh, uh talking back and forth because even though he's he's a seven foot guy in a you know a walking carpet there was an actor under that walking carpet for the other actors to act with crazy right love it but that yeah so that's like that's what my ones were all along the lines of was like that like that that's kind a good of question, question. Jay. brings up part of the genius I, of star wars you don't have to know the languages they'll 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 interpret it for you i do have i i have another one if you want me to throw out another one well i In think it's scene. scott's turn now what's up bud it's in the same vein okay how the hell do all these pilots know how to fly all these different ships? Like, I get that their job is to be a pilot, but like, if I ha- if I'm qualified to fly a Cessna, I can't hop behind the yoke of a seven forty seven and be like, "Yeah, I got this." Well, how and many ships kinda... does somebody fly? Well, like, it just seems like for for example, Cassian Andor. It's just like he gets behind the. The controls of a ship, and he's like, "Yeah, I got this." Well, but I mean, Cassian Andor is so. First of all, if he if he's a let's say he's a qualified freighter pilot, like and put it in modern day terms, like you just did. Let's let's say he's a pilot, obviously military trained, right? Okay, so he's had. So we're not talking about a Cessna pilot, you know, who's trying now to fly an F fourteen. Those are vastly different. Yeah, but, I agree. But if he is a military trained pilot that's trained to fly, let's say a C one thirty, right? Okay. And he gets behind the controls of a DC ten, which is arguably also a cargo plane, but it can be fitted for passengers. Those controls are going to be similar enough. He's like, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing. It's just like Murdoch in the A team. Murdoch can fly anything. <laughs> Murdoch is magical. You know. Um, yeah, now, I would agree. I, I, I can understand if like uh, even a military like a, a, a C-130 pilot is not going to hop into uh, a Black Hawk helicopter. Right. To fly it. Two totally different control styles. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, in the way that Cassian Andor is probably not going to hop into the cockpit of an X-Wing or a TIE fighter and be effective. He, he could probably figure it out but well even in 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 andor other than the the getaway train for the heist does he actually pilot he hitches a a ride a lot but do we see him actually piloting he flies that like um weird looking um transport that has like the y-wing uh like engines on it that he borrows from his buddies like junk oh that's right Okay, yeah, but that's that's the ship he grew up on, isn't it? No, he just borrowed it. Oh, okay. And then it's like, Oregon. and then he he, um, you know, yeah, he flew the the I guess you call it space train, like you said. And then in the movie Rogue One, he's flying a U wing. Yeah, but Rogue One and this are years apart, so that we could presume could, there's somewhere he, he got training. He could, yeah, yeah, he could feasibly. Um, but then it's like in the movie Solo, 
you know, Han, he, we see him flying a speeder, like a ground speeder. He's driving a speeder. And And then then he joins, he joins the Empire. And the the, the, the ground speeder thing, I'm I'm sorry. Piloting a ground speeder is is about the same as us piloting car. Yeah, like yeah, you no, drive, I, I drive a truck every day, but you could still hop into a U-Haul. Oh, no, I get that. And still get it. That's that's I, I was I was just starting with that. I'm saying he, the first time we see him is in a speeder, yeah. and he's talking about how good of a pilot he is. And then yeah. the next time we see him, he's like a ground soldier. And then all of a sudden, he the next thing we know is flying that like cargo lifter, that Empire yeah. cargo lifter thing. Yeah. And then the next time we see him. He just hops into the seat of the Millennium Falcon and he's like, oh, yeah, I got this. Okay. Well, well, first of all, he gets Imperial training. Yes. We he, just he, he doesn't get to be a fire pilot, but he gets training at the Imperial Academy. He's, and he okay. also gets thrown out of the Imperial Academy. Exactly. And then the 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 Falcon, he says, yeah, my dad used to make these. Like, there's a, there's a familiarity. Like, he, he's grown up around them. Okay, my dad used to make electric motors. That doesn't make me an electrician. Well, clearly you didn't study enough. Because Han did, okay? I mean... Well, okay. So, so hang on. When he says, my dad used to make these, we don't know what that means. Does that mean his dad was just a welder on the projects? Right. Or or was his dad one of the, one of like the lead engineers that would take him along on test flights? Clearly. Yeah. Context would have been nice. Yeah. I agree with you, Scott. A little more context. Yeah. If if only people would learn how to use context in 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 things that they're trying to explain, and especially when conveying humor, so that people could understand the joke. Uh, right? Just, yeah, those people are assholes, aren't they? They are. Uh, but that's like, I mean, it's just 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 one of those things that like, there's so many different types and styles of ships out there, and it's just something that I think about. Is it like, and I don't know if there's a definitive answer, and I'm not trying to get one. It's just no. something to spark conversation. The like, thing that always gets me, Jay, because because I, I, I'm not trying to say that your whole point is null and void, because it's not. You're, you definitely have a point here. But the thing that always confused me as a kid, and I let it go because it's cool, but we don't see Luke fly anything in, in, in New Hope other than his land speeder, and then you throw him in the cockpit of an X-Wing. <laughs> we throw him in the I cockpit of an X-Wing. I was going to say that. But yeah. hey, I, I looked, I, so I was thinking about this because I was watching it. This is when I was texting Scott. Mm-hmm. He says, I used to bullseye womp rats in my T-65 back home. No, no it's his T-16. Oh, it's T-16? I thought he said yeah. T-65. Yeah. No, and you see, the, you see the T-16 in both the theatrical version and the special edition version of, of A New Hope. Yeah, it's in the background when he's given C-3PO the oil bath. Well, it's in the background in the special edition because it's added outside the door. Oh, okay. But in the original theatrical version, before that special effect was added, it's the model that he's flying around. Now, yeah. Okay. That's that's a yes. T-16. It's a T-16 so he's fly- So he's flying this T-16, right? And I'm with yeah. you, John, because I was going to bring this up, too, when I talked about piloting things. And he just hops into this X-Wing, <laughs> automatically knows where everything is, knows yes. all the fire controls, knows how to evade TIE fighters who are Imperial trained pilots, right? And like, they got to be really good because they have no shields. So they're trying their best not to die when they go out. And okay. he's just like, oh, no, I'm good. So like, Some of that you can chalk down. up to the force. Yes. So a couple of points I'd like to bring up here. 
Okay. Okay. One, yeah, yeah, yeah. The part of that you can chalk up to the force because he's naturally force sensitive. He's powerful with the force, so he's he's offsetting his experience with with innate force ability. Okay. Get that. Two, the Tie Fighter is the shittiest fighter ever designed <laughs> in history. But they sure did make a lot of them. So they did. But. But so, it is highly maneuverable. It's highly maneuverable, and it has to be. And you know why? Because the pilot can't turn his head. <laughs> if you turn your head, all you're seeing is the interior of the cockpit. You can only see what's in this narrow window out front of you. You have to turn the entire craft to look around. <laughs> it's like the Rocketeer. You want to look around, you got to use your eyeballs. Your head's got a rudder on it. <laughs> just imagine. Just imagine if Darth Vader had a bubble cockpit. Like on a, um, oh, the Nubian fighter. What is it? The and uh, uh, the Mandalorian has one. Uh huh. Come on. Oh, oh this is uh, easy. This I is can't easy think day. of it right now. It, the N one. The N one. There we go. Yeah, the N one. It's a the, Nubian sorry. one. Naboo one. Okay. Anyway, the N one. <laughs> Imagine if if Vader had had like a cockpit like in the N one. Where like he could have actually looked up and seen yeah. the Millennium Falcon and been yeah. like, "Whoops!" Or, or <laughs> well, and you think he'd go with that because he has such a big background uh, with pod racing, and apparently flying now, N1 is, is just like pod, pod racing. racing. You know, I was just gonna say that, John. I was just gonna yep. be like, you know, speaking of people hopping in the cockpit and flying without an issue. <laughs> but yeah, that, it wasn't I, wasn't the N one in, in on autopilot for most of that until he he's, he's at least up in space before he figures yeah. out how to turn off the autopilot. Oh, let's no, try I, rolling. I, That's a neat trick. It's a neat trick. Yeah, exactly. he's not wrong. Yeah, if only he knew how to list lazily to the left. <laughs> uh, I know a few moves that can lose him. Well, that's uh, why it works on TIE Fighters, because they have to turn the whole TIE Fighter to see you when you list too lazily to the left. Damn it, that Millennium narrow field is listing of, to the left again. Narrow field of vision. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, I, I, but I'm on board with you, John. This little farm boy who only flew two T-16s shooting womp rats, which, you know, opens up a whole new can of worms yeah. for this uh-huh. Luke Skywalker character. Like he's yeah. all of a sudden in a military. That is Scott. Yeah, it is. You said that is the equivalent of yeah. flying a Cessna, and yeah. now you're in an F-14 Tomcat. You are. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. You're not wrong. That is, your 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 analogy earlier of being in a Cessna and then going to a military grade ship. That is, if you're going to have that in Star Wars, the T-16 to the X-wing is. You well, know. What we need, what we need in Star Wars is what what we need is a, a movie of like just off to the left scenes okay <laughs> like luke and the x-wing and, simulator so x luke and the x-wing simulator and then luke gets in the cockpit for the first time and we have like that randy quaid independence day moment of oh shit weapon systems armed what proton torpedo what i was you know? i was just gonna bring up yeah even randy quaid got a training sequence <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, lots well, of coffee. <laughs> and, and actually, you know, you know, there is there's the deleted scene, you know, with Biggs, where he yeah, reassures yeah. the squadron leader, you know, that he can handle because the squadron leader even asked that question, "Are you sure you can handle one of these?" and stuff like that. So they they did try to hang a tag on it, uh, and everything, but that that scene got cut. So, oh, uh, X wing, nah, that ain't no shit. I got this. Get that cockpit ready. I'm going to shoot me some TIE Fighters. How does this fucking work? I don't know what these buttons do. That's, yeah. 
So. Okay. Scott, any nagging questions you want to bring up? Uh, Again, I've got, I've got more. You know, I, I keep thinking of things, but I've, you got to understand, I've also had, you know, many, many years to rationalize most of my own. And I played the role-playing game and read through the, the expanded universe. So a lot of my stuff over the years kind of has been answered, and it, I've forgotten what the questions were because I have my own headcanon. Okay, that, well then we're going right, to ask Scott's yeah. headcanon questions. That's fine. Yeah, so... Scott, oh, you want to go ahead, John? Yeah, you just had the last one. Okay, go ahead. I had the last two. He would kind of like a chance to speak. I mean, my God. No, 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 no speak for you. You go train in the X-Wing simulator. You can't fly yet. All right, Scott. Ahead, John. Uh, well, now that I'm not sure which one to ask first now. Um, a lot of pressure here. Okay, okay. Scott. Mm-hmm. How the hell does light speed work? Or hyperspace or whatever it's supposed to be called. And, and how can you light speed skip? And oh, and why hasn't anyone ever just rammed another uh, ship in light speed uh, before? How how does it work? Oh, what, what, can you please in, in your why, answer? Can you please why? incorporate the pathfinder or the wayfinders and the the paths that the uh, the Nihil use? Thank you. Why do you have to go into this? Why? I'm not even trying to go. I am legit asking how where? the fuck does light speed work in this universe? Where? I don't even care about real life. Just in this universe, how does it work? We're we're having such a wonderful time. <laughs> Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Scott, how did Palpatine return? Oh shit. <laughs> so okay, uh, let's let's get my let's get my kind of half rants out of the way. <laughs> Wait, no, please go a whole rant, please. No, 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 no. It's okay. We don't have to. Uh, first of all, light speed skipping. Um, forget that shit exists. Just that shit is the dumbest piece of writing ever. Because literally, from episode four, the first time we're introduced to hyperspace and light speed, you you know we we have you know uh, where it's like it'll take us a few moments to get the coordinates from the Nava computer, to which mm-hmm. Luke responds in a very exasperated voice, "Are you kidding me? With they're right, they're right there on us." And Han gives that beautiful line, you know, he's like, traveling through hyperspace ain't like dusting crops, boy. Without precise calculations, you can fly too close to a supernova or bounce too close to a sun that'd end your trip real quick, wouldn't it? That is a beautiful line. Because it sets up the rules of how this works. It, it, it encapsulates narratively what we're doing and, and, and why it can't be a catch-all getaway. That line was set up specifically so that you couldn't write your way out of a situation by just going and engage and we're safe. And then we get to light speed skipping. Light speed skipping. Which is just it's light speed. It's safe planet roulette. That's all it is. And come on, safe planet. Boom. Nope, not here. Let's go again. And boom. Come on, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy. Boom. Hey, safe hammock. It's just dumb. Which, um, also, Scott, that line, you know, uh, traveling through hyperspace ain't like dust and crops. Yeah. Uh, it also gives a lot of credence to the conversation we just had about Luke not knowing how to fly an X-Wing. It does. I, I just want to throw that out there. It does. It does. It, it, the hell is hyperspace? Could you imagine if he did just fucking accidentally hit his hyperdrive? <laughs> first. <laughs> 
Well, well, you would also also think that a piece of technology like that equipped into military-grade hardware and also, you know, uh, transports and stuff would be equipped with a safety that it would not let you engage hyperspace without a resolved course from the Navi computer. Not Not saying that that couldn't be modified or bypassed. You know, like a computer voice coming over. Are you sure you'd like to enter hyperspace? You know, select yes or no. But but yeah. So when it when it comes to hyperspace, okay, the science behind it has never been said. It's never been laid down, and the reason being, or even pseudoscience. You know, no real scientific explanation has ever been given in canon as far as what's actually happening. Okay. Okay. And with the way Star Wars is, you know, as a, a narratively, it doesn't matter. It, it's it's not relevant. And and we've had this discussion. It, it's why in 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 our both of our opinions. I'm not sure about Jay. He's a little wonky on things, but um, you can be both a Star Wars fan and a Star Trek fan. Because they're mutually exclusive. They're, they're two different forms of storytelling. They are not the same thing. Um, but the way I've always envisioned it with hyperspace, right? It's straight lines. Okay. Okay? That, that's it. It's, it's straight lines. When you engage hyperspace, you jump to light speed. First of all, it's also not like straight to light speed because th- this is one of the few scientific things that is laid out in Star Wars and it's done very subtly. Okay. Okay. And this is also part of my head cannon. So this is where my head cannon is going to come into play. When you jump to light speed, you're not actually jumping to light speed because Han makes the comment when Leia says, you know, um, you came in that, or no, 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 I'm sorry, no. Uh, uh, when Luke sees the Falcon for the first time, and he's like, what a hunk of junk. And and Han says, she may not look like much kid, but she's got it where it counts. She'll make 0.5 past light speed. The way I interpreted that line in my head canon, me being who I am, is that it'll it'll get to within um a half a percent of light speed physical but it never actually crosses the light barrier that's just how close it gets to light speed um keep in mind i also played the role playing game a lot and the role playing game that was a that was a modifier statistic so it works that way too okay cuz the math comes out but um when you punch light speed you're traveling in a straight line there is no turning. You're going from point A to point B. And point B is um, along pre-plotted safe routes. That's why the computer has to work out where you want to go from where you're at. It has to consult current known to it, like having your going to date myself here because we're now dealing with 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 now antiquated real life technologies you you, you know whatever maps your garmin is currently updated with <laughs> uh, uh, and such 
right? You got to make sure your map quest is up to date. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and <laughs> you get That's a good point. You get Sorry, go ahead. As I was going to make a joke. I'm just going to make a quick joke. It's pretty dark, but I'm going to make it. Right. It's got to update the fact that Alderaan no longer is there. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, that's going to mess with all the gravitation in that system. Yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> Um, so let's equate it with our, let's put it in terms of cars and the interstate system. Okay. Right. If you're wanting to go from Lexington, we're in Lexington, Kentucky right now. At least two of us are. Okay. If, if you want to go from, we'll let you guess which two. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) If we want to go from Lexington to St. Louis, Missouri. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Uh We have to plot a route. Yes. Okay. So, so our nearest hyperspace route that is known safe, meaning there is no planets, no stars, no supernova, nothing in the way that's going to kill us between I-64 here in Lexington and I-64 in St. Louis, right? Okay. I-64 goes all the way to St. Louis, right? Sure. I, I think so. So our our exit vector from Lexington is the I-64 exit. Depending on what part of Lexington you're in is, is, is determining your piloting route to get to that exit vector. So we get on I-64, boom. We are, you know, we are obeying the speed limit of 75, 70 miles an hour all the way to our exit, to, to uh, I'm sorry, our entry vector here in Lexington to our exit vector off of St. Louis, or off the, the closest one to our destination in St. Louis. Now, Jay, on the other hand, Jay is way out in the outer rim. Jay is near no major space lanes and no major plot points. No, He's no on major. that three-fourths vowel planet. Yeah. <laughs> so for Jay, he's wanting to plot a course from where he's at in um, Iowa, and I have completely blanked on the name, Jay. I'm sorry. Where are you at? Lansing. 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 Thank you. So he's got to get to the, the, the closest known safe hyperspace path to him, which is the interstate. That's what we're equating this in this analogy. So, Jay, if you're wanting to go to St. Louis, what, what's your most direct interstate path? Jesus Christ. Um, no, 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 no. Just, just the interstate. Like, what interstate are you trying to get to? There is one to get to St. Louis. There isn't one because there's no there's there's planets, there's moons, there's suns, there's supernovas in a direct line between him and there, which means he has to pilot over to an exit vector to get onto a hyperspace path that takes him tangentially to another hyperspace path where he has to exit hyperspace, readjust, replot and enter hyperspace again to get to his destination. That is the best analogy that I can give you on how hyperspace should work in Star Wars. So, at the risk of poking the bear, theoretically, light speed skipping is physically possible, but highly improbable. Okay, so here's light speed skipping. You're just jumping to light speed without any kind of navigation. Yes, you're just like... Okay, I'm going to pick a direction. I'm going to put pedal to the metal. I'm going to accelerate to 80 miles an hour, regardless of what's in front of me. How long do you think you're going to survive? Again, physically possible, but highly improbable. Exactly. 
Okay. Exactly. Explain the Holdo thing to me then. The what thing? The Holdo. Or she just Holdo? Reholdo, Lightspeed, Rams, the 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 first order thing. <laughs> that is just I can't. It's dumb. Okay. Because okay. you've literally when you do that, you have now turned the hyperdrive. Congratulations. You've made this the Death Star and Starkiller base and however in all of its absurdity. Obsolete. You have now made the hyperdrive the most powerful weapon in the Star Wars universe, and you have broken Star Wars. Because we can fit hyperdrive on stuff as small as an X-Wing, right? Exactly. So why are we just building hyperdrive torpedoes? Thank you. Exactly. Okay. It was was the dumbest scene in Star Wars. It broke Star Wars. Not the the, um, Dreadnought or whatever shooting its turbo lasers and the laser bolts falling short of their target. Like that wasn't it. Uh, I might have actually blanked that out of my memory. I'm sorry. Yeah. The whole, yeah. All of last Jedi where the, uh, not Rebe- nah, not rebels. Um, resistance fleet is just outside of the range of the turbo lasers. And they, but the, still close sure. enough they can visually see the ships. Yep, but they just keep falling short. Like that, they literally they, dip down. They, they did just dip down. Yes. Yeah, they that, literally dip down. You don't remember that? No, I don't. Once again, most of that oh. I just blanked out of my memory. I did, I did, For good reason. I, I didn't like that's the plot. Yeah. I, I had checked out before that. Like I can't remember exactly, but at that that moment in time I was like, fuck this. Now that you being said, that. that being said, at the beginning of that movie when they had the bombers, those really cool new bombers doing the bombing run, uh-huh. yeah, I kind of liked that bombing run. That was kind of fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, and then that shit was, went downhill real fast. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. But so, you know, why weren't they glowy blue bombs like the Thai Thai bombers use in, in Empire? I assume different different manufacturer. Yeah, I assume oh, okay. it could be different manufacturer. It could be different types of bombs too. Okay. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, when it comes to hyperspace, um, and how hyperspace should behave in Star Wars, uh, and, and everything, uh, that's that's my that's my go. That's how I see hyperspace working. Like literally, okay. if, if if you're trying to avoid uh, somebody following you, then you don't plot a direct path to where you're trying to get to. You plot an exit vector. Um, uh, out of where you're at, you hit hyperspace, and then you um, come out of hyperspace at some point. It doesn't matter where, because your first leg isn't aimed at where you're at, and then you calculate, once you jump out and your Navi computer has a chance to ascertain where you are, you basically plot the, the quickest hyperspace exit vector that you can just to save time it doesn't matter which direction it's going and you do that three or four times quickly um and then and then you can start navigating to where you want to go like you you don't jump it's not one jump to where you're going you jump gotcha four five six times jump around the obstacles and then the big jump yeah and, and gotcha. yeah and then you're yeah exactly so okay well thank you scott 
What else can your head cannon fix for us? Jay, what you got? I I have an interesting one uh, that I think all of us could probably enjoy talking about. Uh, okay. So you have the planet Mandalore. Yes. Okay. Planet Mandalore gets, you know, taken over Moff Gideon, whatever, right? So then you got this faction of Mandalorians living off the planet in like covens and all over different places, right? I don't, okay. I don't think Moff, Moff Gideon I, I just, over Mandalore. I, I don't, just get out of your question. Anyway, okay. Before right. I start nitpicking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Anyway, so you have all these different covens and whatnot, right? And, you know, there's foundlings. They have these foundlings, right? But, you know, Din Djarin, he's like, when he's found, he's like, what, four, five, something like that? Okay. Maybe six. And then he grows up and then, you know, he gets a helmet and blah, blah, Got blah, a blah. question blah. in here somewhere? Or... Yes, I'm leading up to it, okay. John. Sorry. Hey, I'm, I'm, giving us good, I'm giving us context because some people like context. <sighs> Objection, Your okay. Honor. Is there a question anywhere in our future? <laughs> So, objection leading. Obviously, there's male and female Mandalorians, and there are, you know, younglings, and they can't all be foundlings. How do Mandalorians procreate? Well, Jay, when a man and a woman love each other very much. When a mommy Mandalorian, I'm sorry, (laughs) when a woman Mandalorian and a Mandalorian (laughs) love each other. A woman Mandalorian. God damn, Scott. I like it. But they can't take their helmets off because that is not the way. First so, of all, so, the yeah. whole helmet thing, Jay, yeah. is only yeah. one sect of Mandalorians. Yeah, that's the death one. But that's the one that I want to focus on. Okay, that's fine. That's the one I'm interested in. But that's not your question. Your question encompassed the whole of Mandalorian. You are yeah. dealing with a lot of history here. You okay. threw out the okay. Okay. <laughs> from off okay. Gideon to how do they have sex? Okay, all right. So let's just get to the brass tags. The okay. Death Watch. How do the Death Watch get it on? Because they can't remove their helmets. So what yeah. are they doing? You do leave, they just leave their helmets on. Yep. They, yeah. yeah. Do you take everything else off? Yeah. Sure. There's nothing it, in the creed that says you can't take every, everything below the neck off. It just says yeah. don't take your helmet off. And also, I'm pretty sure so, that do, they, they, they do say somewhere in there that the Death Watch are primarily replenished through foundlings. Yeah. Do they? Do they leave their do they just like leave the top half of their Beskar armor on and so it sounds like you know a bunch of pans clattering around? Jay, why are you trying to kink shame people? Okay, some people <laughs> like it with the helmet on, all right? Very true. So, so actually, so never have to shave or brush your teeth. Or... So, right now, in all honesty, there could be a mustache under there and you never Jay, know. You don't know, Jay. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to dismiss your question, but you've touched on a subject that actually needs to be its whole ep- an, an episode unto itself. Because the because, habits of Mandalorians. No, no, no. Just Mandalorian, okay. just Mandalorian um, uh, history culture. and philosophy and culture by itself. Because it has evolved yep. so much from old EU to what we've gotten. It's not funny. Like originally in old EU, there was the whole thing that 
like in the old EU, there was there was this whole there was a whole book series, and I only read like the first one and a half of them or first two. Or it's been forever; I don't remember. But in that, there were no Mandalorians anymore. None. They didn't exist. They were an extinct race and an extinct culture. Uh, Boba Fett was not Mandalorian. At that point, it had become that whoever followed the creed of the Mandalore, the culture, the ethics, they were Mandalorian. It was just, it was just, it was a creed that you followed. And that carried forward into the new stuff with the, 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 the Death Watch stuff. That's where that came from. And then you get into the whole, you've got Ancient Mandalore, which is the series of the Warriors, and then you've got where, um, what, uh, what was it, Empress Satine, Satine yep. tried basically to bring Mandalorians into a peaceful culture, and that failed. That failed horribly. That failed with literally, ultimately, the destruction of Mandalore. That path is what led to the destruction of Mandalore. And yeah. I, I know that could be argued. That could be argued. But Darth Maul know. had something to do with that, and Bo-Katan was in charge when the planet got bombed. So and it led to. I'm not saying direct result. I'm saying that path. Okay. We also don't know how long before we meet Satine and Clone Wars, the the pacifists, because they're already in charge of the planet. So yeah. obviously it was popular enough they got put into power. Yes. Uh, but we don't know how long they were pacifists prior to that. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? That this this okay. day that you touched off could yeah, be yeah, an episode yeah. unto itself. All right. So so then so let me let me let me back up and, and instead ask this one. Because this is the one I texted Scott about while I was watching the movie. And I actually think it's a pretty interesting question because I have my own personal headcanon about the answer. But I was interested to see what you guys think. Yeah. Where's the question? <laughs> yes and no. Where is where is the rebel fleet during the first attack on the Death Star? Well, that I think is answered. So that is answered. Uh, I'm sorry, John. I keep jumping in here. I'm sorry. There is no rebel fleet yet? Thank you. That's but, a simple answer. But you watched Rebels, right? Yeah. You watched Andor, right? Okay. So at that point in time, the Rebel fleet's never been all together in the same place at the same time ever. Yeah. Because they are terrified of being found by the Empire. Yeah. Prior That's why the Battle of Yavin is such a huge turning point. It's the yes. first time there was a Rebel fleet. Yeah. Prior to the Battle of Yavin, the closest we get was the the battle is it scarif is that scarif, yeah. scarif the battle of scarif and that wasn't even the full fleet that was just people running to back up these yahoos who ran off to scarif on a suicide mission yeah at at this point at, at it the cost us blue squadron you asshats yes, yes. Uh, exactly um the battle of yavin was the coalescence of what would become the rebel alliance and the rebel fleet that was the penultimate moment when the rebels be, went from just rumors and back channels to a force to be reckoned with and sought after by the Imperial Navy. Did you mean ultimate moment? No, I meant penultimate. So that was the ultimate. So what would have been the ultimate moment? Now you have me wanting to look this stuff up. Hang on. Penultimate means next to last. We've had this discussion before. Yeah. Keep going. I'm I'm googling. Okay. Okay. Any, okay. So, All right. The ultimate moment. Yes. So okay. the final coming together. Go ahead. Sorry. 
I get that. Like, you know, but what I'm saying is like they're once they once they had the Battle of Scarif, where'd those ships go? Well, the ones that survived theoretically went back to Yavin, which is what sets off the whole uh, plot of New Hope of them trying to find out where the rebel base is. Because now they okay. know, okay, well, the rebels have power. They're operating out of somewhere. Right. Okay. Okay. So are you telling me that at the Battle of Scarif was only X-Wings and Y-Wings? Yeah. No. There wasn't. There are there are Carillion Corvettes. Yeah. There are transports. Yeah. There's that big yeah. Mon Calamari cruiser. There's... yeah. There's there a hammerhead other, cruiser. Yeah. Yes, there's other ships, right? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. that's not that's still not the entire fleet. Right. And, and, and so, also they weren't all from Yavin. Okay. I I'm I'm with you there. But if Yavin is where the rebel base was, no, okay, that's where I'm saying where's the rebel fleet? No, that's where a rebel base because was. Because in the in oh 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 there we go. Yep, maybe. In uh, A New Hope, they say 30 ships are attacking the Death Star. Okay. Okay. And? Uh, hello? Yes? Can you not hear us? Because we can hear you. He's clicking. Uh-huh. Okay, so Jay has gone bye bye. Right, yeah. <laughs> what have you got left? <laughs> Terrified me on the capacity for rational thoughts. All right, this is the quotes episode again. Um, no, but to, to answer Jay's question, it is it, I think the thing we have, but it's yeah. the, the 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 rebel fleet, and that was that's the whole point of the the rebel alliance wasn't a thing until that yeah. point. It was a bunch of scattered, and that's something that Andor does a great job of. Is is um, there are all these desperate little pockets of some people are like resistance fighters and some people are, are uh, um, uh, still separatists and like all these different groups that they all hate the empire for their own reasons, but they're not a co they have not coalesced into anything organized uh, that could potentially overthrow the empire. And that's, that's the big moment of Yalvin. It's, it's, it's the first time they've demonstrated we actually have a fleet and we actually have military capability to, to put a hurting on you. Yeah, um, and the way I took it, based off of watching Rebels and then everything else like that, and once again, the the fleet that assembles at the Battle of Scarif isn't all from Yavit. So when that fleet disperses, they're heading to respective safe houses. They're fleeing that fight. They don't Multiple all directions. go to Yavin. So the, the, the force that we have at Yavin is just that cell. Right. Yep. Yeah. At least that's the way I understood it. Yeah, makes sense. Um. Hey, oh, Jay's back. I, yeah. Uh. So I caught some of that, and I, you know, me and my three vowel state and our wonky internet and things. It's um. A, you can listen to the show later. Get caught. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. No, I get that there's separate cells. I get that they're scattered. I get that they're not combined yet. Yeah. Okay. But. I'm assuming at the onset of at the onset of a new hope, and if you take into the accounts of Rogue One, they are like, oh yeah, we should probably come together. But like you're missing key people from 
um, you're missing key people from that meeting at yeah. in Rogue One. Yeah. Like yeah. on Yavin. They were on yeah. Yavin, and now they they're were, gone. And now they're gone, because yeah. they went back to their respective cells. Because, because, so the, so Yavin base was, it was commanded by General Donata. Donata, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. We're not going to correct you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, at the time, at the time of A New Hope, Mon Mothma was still a senator. And she was commanding her own cell underground. She hadn't fully left, well, well, technically, at the Battle of Yavin, she wasn't a senator because the Senate had been disbanded. But she was still maintaining that duality. She was still maintaining that, that dual life. She had the senator life uh, and then the, the, the rebel commander life, you know, which was a separate cell. Uh, uh, actually, Scott, I have to go ahead and disagree with you there. That's fine. Go ahead. She has her, her big coming out moment in Rebels. Uh, where's when that? She officially declares herself a member of the, the rebel I don't, think she, I don't. Did she say Rebel Alliance? Was that uh, was that in season? That's pre New Hope. Yeah. Yeah, it's pre New Hope, but it was it was right there on the cusp. I don't remember what season it was. Because she did she did leave the Senate prior to the Senate being disbanded. But up until that point, like so, General Donata is in command of Yavin Base. Uh, Mon Mothma has her own cell, which she's in the process of leaving the Senate and leaving that public life to fully take command of. Um, Senator Organa has his own stuff. It's more covert. Covert. Covorting. No, not covert. Covert. I'll get the word covert. right. Covert. There you go. Covert. covert than anything else uh, up to this point. Now, he, of course, is killed on Alderaan prior to being able to you know, blah, blah, blah. I still say you could still write something that says he got off of Alderaan because there's nothing in any of the movies, there's nothing in canon that I'm aware of that tells us he was confirmed killed on Alderaan. He never shows up again yet, but just saying. Um, but yeah, so in my opinion, like I said, the rebel fleet that gathers at Scarif then disperses to their respective bases. And we know that the base at Yavin was in the process of evacuation when the Death Star showed up. The, with the Death Star showing up, it forced their hand. They had to attack with what they had. See, and this is, this is where my own headcanon comes in for that. My my thought on it. I'm not saying you guys are wrong. I'm not. I'm yeah. just saying this is the, the way I look at it when I watch the movie it is like this was a Hail Mary. This was a desperation attempt. This was like, okay, the mass, like the majority of our forces are not here at Yavin. And like in my mind that there is a fleet like in orbit around Yavin or something. And then they figure, oh, crap, we better get out of here. And so they hightail it out. And this yeah. this attack of only 30 ships is like a Hail Mary attempt to see, you know, can we actually accomplish this? And I feel like everybody that was there was considered expendable. Not considered expendable. But, yeah. They, they, they chose to stay there. 
Yeah, yeah, there you and go. They chose time, to stay. They, they chose yeah. to stay and buy time for everybody else because they yeah. all ultimately everybody in that control room believed it to be a suicide mission. They did not believe they were going to survive. Well, it's also their backs are against the wall. Like, yeah, they, they're planning to take down the Death Star, but the Death Star shows up at their doorstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like, it, so they it's fight or we're all going to blow up. Yeah, exactly. Because then, because no what I look at, because then what I look at is in Return of the Jedi. Right, they throw everything they've got at the second Death Star. I mean, all their ships, everything, all hands oh, on deck. Well, and but I they think, also assumed that the Death Star was not operational. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but and then and also they found out that Palpatine was going to be on board. Yes. So it's it, like, was, it was it was a too good to be true opportunity, which should have given them a red flag. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that's that's the way I look at it. So, like, I mean, I'm sure that it's more, I'm sure it's more accurate what you guys are saying, that they all, you know, retreated to their respective cells and that they did not have technically a rebel fleet that had allied itself together yet. But the way I like to think about it now with, with like, Rogue One and then looking at the, the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, like, how nice that fleet is. I think they had that fleet together. They just sent them out and they're like, listen, they, we're taking yeah, volunteers. Who's sticking around? You also got to remember after they blew up the Death Star, a lot of other systems came to their cause. So the fleet got bigger by the time we get yeah. to those next two movies. Right. And also it's what? Uh, three years, five years between one and one or uh, between four and five. I don't know how long. Three, technically three. I don't. I think three. Three, yeah. three, three years. Three years pass. So and, it, and it's like a few months between five and six. So you're looking at about three and a half to four years between the Battle of Yavin and the Battle of Endor. And the successes that they had, and and literally, like he said, the 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 destruction of the first Death Star was was a major, you know, um, uh, selling point. Yeah. Hey, we blew that first one up. Well, and also a we political blow, a, a propaganda yeah. blow to the Empire. If the Empire is not indestructible. So. But yeah, that's just the and, way I like to look at it. That I, you know, and and the Emperor chose to put all his eggs in one basket basket with with Tarkin's project of the Death Star instead of going with Thrawn's project of an advanced Tie Fighter that actually had shields, and. <laughs> Whose fleet would probably have done a lot more to secure the strength of the Empire than a damn super weapon space station. Just saying. Yeah, but Death Star just sounds so cool. You know, TIE Defender, I mean... The the TIE Defender is awesome. You know, it's like, okay, cool, TIE Defender, but what, Death Star, come on. Yes, but the Tide Defender will literally defend the Empire. It's in the name. They'll they'll yeah, defend the that exhaust Star. port on the Death Star. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. The yes, the Death Star, you know, brings the death toll, not toll, death, death, death knell, the death knell of the Empire. See, death bad. Defend good. Oh. That's what we've been doing wrong the whole time. Wait a minute. Are we the baddies? <laughs> we have handcuffs for children wait are we the bad guys uh, 
Okay, Scott, rapid fire. You ready? I want to pick oh, that brain of yours. Okay, actually, I, I do have, I do have. Oh, okay, okay, okay. At some point for the brain trust. Okay, hit us really real quick. Let us answer one of your questions. To, it just occurred to me there is a Star Wars question I have yet to be able to resolve for myself. The answer is <sighs> Obi Wan. No. Oh damn. This is a question that was posed to me a little over a year ago. But I have been thinking about it. Actually, it was posed to the both of us, Obi-Wan. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and I have yet to be able to resolve it. And it's okay. Because I can't. And that is, how does a lightsaber reflect blaster bolts? Four words, Scott. Yeah. Space wizard laser sword <laughs> you know and uh, i mean yeah uh, once again we're we're the, the purpose of the show isn't that hey it looks cool it's part Ooh. of the writing or anything we're trying to like justify things that well, never so, so, justify yeah first of all you have to define how does the lightsaber work and no one's been able to really do that is it a plasma beam in a magnetic field because it comes to a certain length and then stops. So it's definitely yeah. not a laser. It's not a laser. Um, no. yep. Scott. Yeah. I have a theory. Okay. Hit me with it. And it, it combines John's idea. Okay. Well, so what? Go ahead, John. What does does uh, I, I, Science question, because science nerds. Does plasma absorb other plasma or if i threw a plasma ball at a plasma wall would it bounce off the wall would it get absorbed by the wall i don't uh, fucking know how plasma well, works yeah so plasma is a state of matter it's an ionized gas okay okay so you've got you've got solid liquid and gas right as far as the three primary yeah. states of matter we know what these are we, we all learn these in high school so solid definite volume definite shape uh, liquid, definite volume, indefinite shape. Gas, indefinite volume, indefinite shape. Uh, and you're just literally dealing with particulate saturation over a specific volume when it comes to gas. If you take that gas and you ionize it, usually through some sort of, of, of uh, electric field application, as in the um, uh, 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 neon gas, so when you see a neon sign, right? Uh-huh. The it, it, it the tube is filled with a gas. When applied to an electric current, it glows. It, it's it's right. changing the state from gas to a plasma. Okay. Okay. So so even if you take plasma and you you throw quote unquote throw it at something, it's just gonna kind of go. Whoo. Right. It's just gonna. It's, because there's no substance there. Okay. There's no there's no physical thing there. Okay. okay. So the only thing that I can think of, and I keep trying to come up with frequencies of light or frequencies on the EMF spectrum that reflect and or absorb each other. I cannot resolve this question scientifically or even pseudoscientifically to save my ass, and it's bugging me to no end. Because keep your science out of my space wizards. <laughs> You're not wrong. And that is the fundamental I, difference between Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. You're not wrong. I, but still, the question I, I have a theory. is bugging me. Go ahead, Jay. Sorry. 
Okay. So, and it combines John's idea of, like, is there a magnetic field, whatever, okay? Okay. So, there's a little shield that surrounds the lightsaber. And that is what reflects the uh, blaster bolts. So, I'm going to have to stop you because you used the term little shield. Um, so far... The the, 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 the the closest I've been able to get to formulating a theory. Okay. What if? Because blaster bolts aren't lasers either. Because lasers are a continuous beam. Okay. Which is why I hate that in, in modern Star Trek, my phasers have become blasters. Yeah. That That's a whole different side brand, though. That, that that that's a whole different subreddit. We're not going to. But you're it. right. You're but, right. But okay. What if if you look at blaster bolts and blasters as basically shooting and projectile small lightsaber uh, beams, small lightsaber blades, like the uh, like in the the Thomas Jane Punisher movie when he when he pulls out the switchblade that fires the blade instead of having it just attached to the hilt. Okay. So a blaster bolt and a lightsaber blade are the same thing. We don't know what that thing is, but that's what I was getting to with the whole plasma yeah. field thing. Yeah, and that thing is irrelevant. Yeah. Right? It's all irrelevant because they can do it because it looks cool. Because it looks cool. And if not, okay. they'd all be dead. So So right now, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at in forward. Because once again... We're, we're, little little the point of, yeah, the, the, the point <laughs> the point of this discussion and this point of view is 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 not the real reason which is hey we wrote this line in 77 because it sounded cool and and you know with parsec and now we have to make it make sense later we're trying to make it make sense later or this looks cool now or we did this because this was awesome or whatever but we're trying to come up with nerdy geeky in canon explanations of things that were never really meant to be explained. Yeah. Um, and this question was posed to me and I'm bound and determined to find an answer to it. And so far through, through my year long contemplation, the closest the, 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 where I've gotten to is that blaster bolts are the same thing as lightsaber blades. They're the same thing. Scott, Laser. again, I gave Laser you an shield. answer. I know. Space wizards, laser swords. Laser shield. No, no. <sighs> little, little, little laser shields. There's this thing all around us, all around everybody. Okay, <laughs> it uh, binds us, penetrates us. It holds the galaxy. It binds well, the galaxy together. Well, now, now, there, there, there lies another point: is that the lightsaber is pure technology. It does not require the force to activate or wield. It requires that depends force. on what you're reading. Hang on. It, okay. it, it requires the force to wield it effectively because Finn, I'm sorry, FN2187 is is not a force user. He does not have the force, yet he can activate and wield a, a lightsaber. You're you right. I'll give you that. Force. You don't need the force to use a lightsaber. You may need the force to use a lightsaber well and to master it, but not just to use it. Okay. And 
and Poe Dameron is not a TIE pilot, but damn it, he flew that, that TIE fighter. Yeah, he's the greatest pilot in the galaxy. He answers your question within the first movie, Jay. He does. Ugh. Anyway, so I'll let you all ponder that if you still want to do the rapid fire thing and, and, and see if we can get stuff to make sense. Cool. I'm still all for it. But I wanted to throw that out there. I wanted that. No, that's a good question. That That's perfectly. Well, uh, that's exactly what we're going for with this is try to little answer. Shield. Thing was... <laughs> so there's three different answers. Little shield. <laughs> Space wizard laser sword, and uh, they're made of whatever that same substance is, and that substance reflects itself when you hit it with itself. There you go. Boom. Take your pick there. Choose choose your own answer there. Choose your own adventure answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Scott, you ready? Rapid fire. Go ahead. Did Palpatine create Anakin? Yes. Oh, God. Because it's never been answered. It's been it hinted has, at. It's it never been answered. Been. Oh God! One of one of the things that I've really hated with with Star Wars, uh, with with the prequels, uh-huh. was the the whole um, the the prophecy, you know, of the one thing. Because that, that was going to be my next question, actually. <laughs> I, I, I think it, I think it's an overused trope. Yes. Um, you know, when you start getting into prophecies and stuff, you start you start writing yourself into a narrative quagmire that is very difficult Giggity. to pull to pull off. Wow, okay, a quagmire joke. I, I'll give you that one. That's you got. <laughs> you set him up so perfectly. I did. Um, <laughs> yeah, he said giggity. So, um, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, you, you write yourself into these in, into these corners and holes and stuff and things, and then you get into the whole Jesus storyline, and you know it, there have been so many stories over the years that have been basically retellings of the the Jesus and the apostles story, the the greatest story ever told. Uh, it, it's a it, it's an archetype. It's it's in a lot of different things, but most of those when they use the archetype of the story, don't t- they tend to avoid the virgin birth thing? And Star Wars just kind of went full on with it. Yep, yep, yep. Nope, and then there was no dad. Nope, I was I just just became pregnant just through the force. Or is Schmied is full of shit. Uh... <laughs> Because my head cannon in is Watto's is dead. <laughs> I have some fan fiction about that, but anyway, I don't. That's one of those questions that again, it yeah, it stems from. And there, there was a part in allegedly a part in episode three where that would have been somehow revealed, but it was cut. Uh, I think wisely so, it was cut. Uh, but because that exists out there, that theory's out there, and I know I know there's at least one comic book um, in the in the more recent Marvel run where they hint at that being the case, but they never outright state that's what happened. Um, so, personally, fundamentally, this is a question that every Star Wars fan is going to have to answer for themselves. It's out there; it can't be pulled back. You're just going to have to decide what do you like. For me personally, the way I resolve this is that no, Palpatine did not create Anakin. Because I agree. 
because to do so gives Palpatine way too much credit and way too much power. Yeah. I mean, you know, that just, that just, he's just ungodly. Like he is, if he did, he is the most powerful being in Star Wars, hands down, period, end of discussion. Unless you throw him down a shaft. Unless you throw him down a shaft. Um, however, however, the key to this whole theory stems in his discussion with Anakin where he's talking about Darth Plagueis, right? That's the name? Yes. Yeah. Who learned through the Force how to create life. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody always assumes that Palpatine in his story, that in, in the story, Palpatine is Darth Plagueis. Like, he, he came up, you know, like like he was him, or he, he was, was his, his apprentice. Master. He was his apprentice, whichever. So the way I look at it, and the way I choose to resolve it for myself, is that Darth Plagueis was his master, that Darth Plagueis did indeed learn the secret to creating life that he told Darth Sidious all that he knew. However, knowing is only half the battle. Ha, ha, ha. See what I did there? Um, doing is a different matter. Knowing and doing are two entirely different things. Darth Plagueis knew it but he could never recreate it. And once Darth Sidious figured out that Darth Plagueis understood the principle but could never make it work, he killed Darth Plagueis because he was no longer of use to him, assumed the mantle of top Sith Lord, went looking for an apprentice, hence the prequels. Okay? And he never learned the secret either. And then Anakin was created through the Force because we still have the whole we still have the whole virgin birth thing to deal with. That still has to be resolved in my head, canon. That Anakin was created not from Darth Sidious, but from uh, the the. Uh, shit, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The trinity of the father, the son, and the daughter. Oh. Okay. Possibly the daughter. I'm still, I still haven't completely resolved that, but I think it was probably given the way they work. Um, or it could have been the father the father that creates Anakin to try and create a balance between his yeah. son and his daughter. Yep. That makes sense. That tracks. I like that theory. That's my head. Ken. I like that theory. If you don't know what we're talking about, go watch uh, Clone Wars. And that's also interesting because uh, we, we talked about this a little bit of work today, but like, so when, when what became Rise of Skywalker was still getting, you know, ramping up to, to shoot, uh, Matt Smith was cast as a villain. We don't know who. Uh, from what I'm told, he doesn't know who. Uh, but been, as a villain. But yeah. one of the rumors was he was cast to play the son. The son, and he would make a great son live action, wouldn't he? And so, so if that, if if what you're positing 
uh, if somebody else at, at uh, Lucasfilm had that uh, an idea along those lines, that may in fact have been where they were going before that script yes. got tossed out the window yes. and we brought back Palpatine. Yeah. So if you track on okay. the father, if you track on the father creating Anakin, so once again, we're still going into the whole Jesus analogy. Yeah. Right? Well, they set us on that path, so we got to follow. They it. set us on that path. So if you go with the father creating Anakin in the real world with the intention of balancing out and taming his, the, the dichotomy between the son and the daughter, then that lends credence, context, and validity to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force, which is so far beyond the comprehension of either the Jedi or the Sith. It takes the Jedi and the Sith from a place of prominence as powerful beings in the, in, in the universe to just merely players again. It brings them down a peg because, yeah, you think you know what's going on, but there's a whole other level. You don't know what's going on. And it brings Palpatine from godlike status to just another player. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. So that's how I resolve all that in my head. Damn, Scott. Good job. Anyway. You don't want to know my Jack, opinion? We were waiting for you to chime in. Oh, no. I was just going to make the comment that uh, I think the rapid got dismissed from the rapid fire section. <laughs> I tend to get long-winded. I'm sorry. <clears throat> All right. Why couldn't Vader sense Luke or Leia when they were on the Death Star? Oh, we're still rapid firing. <laughs> Especially Leia, where they have whole conversations and dialogue, and he just doesn't sense that there's some kind of connection there. Because George Lucas didn't know yet that they were going to be the child of. <laughs> uh, well, so therein lies another issue. Oh boy. Therein lies once again. It's compl- It's layered complexity. You wanted to get deep in the weeds on this shit. I didn't. John said rapid fire. I yeah, but I'm loving this. I keep throwing him at Scott, and he keeps answering him. So, Qui Gon Jinn from it's a great Jinn is a great Jinn. So Qui Gon Jinn, from what we are told, and to my knowledge, this has not been contradicted. It's in canon. Is the first Jedi. To figure out how to transition to that other plane uh-huh. and to come back from that other plane. Right. He contacts Yoda, or Yoda contacts him. That's a little bit. Okay. And then Yoda tells Obi Wan, a task for you I have. Right. I will tell you, you know, a friend, I will teach you how. Yeah. The whole the whole Obi-Wan thing at the end of the yep. Obi-Wan series, he finally contacts Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon's like, it's about fucking time. You listen to me. I've been okay. here the whole damn time. You finally got to a place, right? Got it. Okay. So at the end of Endor, uh-huh. you get Yoda and Obi-Wan coming back. as uh-huh. force ghosts, Right. Okay. You also get Anakin coming back as a force ghost. Okay. Anakin was never taught that. It happened after he became Vader. So where does Vader learn that? Now, we don't know. 
it's not been told. Obviously, it happens. But Vader is intrigued by Obi-Wan disappearing. You can see that when he's stepping on his robes. Right? Yeah. Now, you could argue that um, uh, Obi-Wan being on the Death Star is a much more familiar force presence than either Luke or Leia. Okay. So he's just drowning him out? Just white noise? drowning him out. So, Leia... But what about when Leia's there before the Obi-Wan's before there? Her. Yes. So Leia might be force sensitive, but she's never really as force prevalent as Luke is. Okay. She has the ability, but she's not quite like when it comes to the two, Luke is very Anakin like in the force. He's you know, he projects it. Other force users can sense him. Leia, maybe not so much. It could be written different ways. I, once again, we're dealing with with the way I interpret things, and, and 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 I interpret her as just kind of background noise. And before anything really happens, um, you have Obi Wan and Luke there. So literally, he's got Leia, Luke, and Obi Wan on the Death Star at the same time, and Obi Wan is the most familiar presence he knows. Okay, I'll buy that. So. He's not, he's focused on Obi-Wan. It's Anakin having tunnel vision. It's Anakin's rage having tunnel vision. Um, what, was, what was all the stuff at the beginning about the Force Ghosts? Yeah, so, now you get to the point where Obi-Wan is killed, quote-unquote, unquote, killed. But he disappears. And so now Anakin is, what the fuck? I've never seen this before. What is this? Why did he disappear? This has okay. never happened before. And so right. literally he's in his own head. He's trying to resolve what the hell that is. And he closes everything else off to try and figure out what happened to Obi-Wan. It's just, it's just Anakin just um, focusing on that. Like the, the, that's the reason why. Okay. But, uh, I, I know it's not as profound as the, the previous discussion, but that's that's why I, I get that. Um, I have a very simple answer for this. Sure. He thought Padme was dead, so he assumed that the kid was dead, so he was never trying to sense them, and Leia doesn't use the Force, so she, she wasn't... consciously. Right, but she wasn't, like, quote-unquote, tapped in to the Wi-Fi, um, mm. so he didn't know. And then he did sense that the force was strong with Luke because Luke had, you know, gotten the Wi-Fi password. And he's like, oh, <laughs> hey, I know. Okay. All right. I got a fellow user here. But, you know, Leia had not yet gotten the Wi-Fi password. Okay. So, okay. And that's also why Luke didn't know Leia was his sister because she wasn't tapped in yet. So Vader wasn't looking for them through the force. Because if he knew that his kid had survived, he probably would have been searching through the force for his yeah, kid. And, and that, but, that's a good point. But he didn't know, so yeah. he wasn't I, searching. And I the fact that. that Luke was strong with the force was only because Luke had tapped into the Wi-Fi. Well, 
Well, but also well, I think there, he was always with Obi Wan. So I think the combination of those works works pretty well. The that Obi Wan was drowning him out until Obi Wan was gone because the first time Vader comments about Luke at all is when and he doesn't even know it's Luke. He just knows this X wing uh, pilot. Uh, the Force is strong with this one. Someone like that's what he says. Yeah. Yeah, so Obi Wan's gone. There's nothing drowning it out now, and that's when he first starts to realize, oh, there's there's something up with this pilot. Well, and Luke is that. active, and Luke is at that point. Yeah, he's tapped yeah, into the Wi-Fi. Actively yeah, or like passively using the Force at that point. He's, you know, he's actively evading Vader. Like, yeah. the, like, like it's it, it's Vader versus his innate Force ability. So yeah, cool. Yeah, that's that's the way. I, yeah, exactly. Okay. Those okay. Two, that's, that's I like that. Is, yeah. I'll take that. How did Maz Kanata get the lightsaber? Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, God. Oh. Can we stop <laughs> the rapid fire round now, John? Who, who, who are the Knights of Ren? Yeah, oh, okay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Tune in for part two. <laughs> Tune in for our next two hours special. More questions that John quote unquote rapid fires. Well, all four of those are supposed to go out at once, and then Scott, you know, answered them all. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> did you like this episode would you like to hear more let us know <laughs> I think Jay is saying we're out of time till next time this has been your weekly nerd alert <laughs> told you we were going to get nerdy today <laughs> <laughs>